0: Come on. And before you sit down, this is the final week of our Word of God series. Now, just a quick recap. In week one, we asked and answered the question, what is the Bible? And we found out the Bible is, in fact, the Word of God, living and breathing, sharper than any two-edged sword, and not here to confirm your beliefs, but to craft them. And then week two, we asked and answered the question, can I trust the Bible? And we found out in an overwhelming kind of way, absolutely, you can trust the Bible. The only question is, will you trust the Bible? Will you choose to build your life on a truth that was true before you even believed it was true? On the only kingdom that never has been or never will be shaken. And Jesus mentions this in Matthew seven twenty four. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And my question is in 2022, what sounds better than that? What sounds better than a firm foundation on which to build your life? When everything about our cultural moment feels sandy and every promise the world makes just seems empty and every lowercase kingdom, no matter how impressive it might seem now, will one day crumble. I wanna build my life, my house on the rock, on something eternal, on the word of God that has never failed and won't start now, amen? And for this final week of this series, I guess the question is how? How do I, How do I get everything I can possibly get from this book and into my life? The question I wanna ask and answer today is how do I read the Bible? How do I read the Bible? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, do something supernatural today that a sermon can't do. Give us a love for your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Take a seat, welcome to church. Good to be with you guys today. I, uh, You guys, I'm 34, I know I look 33, I know. Um, exercise is a big part of my life, but here's the thing, the older I get, my exercise motivations are changing. In other words, back in college, I exercised, I worked out for the, for the six pack, you know what I mean? Never had one, but that's why I did, I sure tried. You know, I just, I love food so much, it's so good. Um, but now that I'm 34, I have noticed, I work out now so I can feel like I'm 32. You know, so I can feel like a young man. Um, You work out now because I wanna be able to help a friend move and carry a dresser up the stairs and not pass out. That's why I lift weights now. I stretch every night before I go to bed because I don't wanna risk injuring my back while I'm sleeping. I break a sweat every morning just because I'm trying to be less anxious that day, okay? That's just a window into my soul and where I'm at. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to feel good, that's it. I, I don't need a photo op. I need this to be helpful in real life, okay? That's why, I mean, even something like bench pressing, I've been trying to figure out where's this gonna help me? Unless I'm on a hike by myself in the forest, I trip over a rock, fall onto my back in the dirt, a tree falls on my chest and I need to like push it off. That's one of the only circumstances I could think of where benching would be necessary. I just, I need it it to be functional. Now with that said, Taylor, will you come up here just for a second? Guys, make some noise. This is my brother. In law, Taylor Motsinger, just moved here from Denver a month ago with his wife Sophia and their six week old son, eight week old son Levi. Uh, and so you're a dad now. So this is perfect timing because he's a new dad. He's all, he also just turned 30. And so exercise for you is also changing the name of the game is now honing in on your old man strength, okay? It's all about functionality, which is why I had you bring a kettlebell. These things are functional fitness. That's what's written all over the kettlebell. Taylor's actually a pretty fit guy, so I thought I'd have him come up here and just do a few functional fitness demonstrations for y'all. Okay, so Taylor, pick that thing up and uh, I don't know the names of this stuff, but like a kettlebell swing, I'm guessing. That's not bad, that's not bad. Show the people a, uh, a squat. Chest out, lift with your legs, right? Give him a squat jump. Let's see, okay, deep squats, let's go. All right, last but not least, Taylor, a Turkish getup. A Turkish getup. Guys, this is 35 pounds, by the way. This is where you you have to hold it above your head the entire time and go from your back and stand. Guys, that's 35 pounds, make some noise. All right, you're good. Make sure you go stretch, okay? I'm telling you, make sure you go stretch. It's called functional fitness. The kettlebell, I'm telling you, is all you need to do that if you know what to do with it. You don't need a lifetime fitness membership, you guys. You can keep your $90 a month for that lifetime membership. You can you can avoid, you just need a kettlebell. You can avoid the gym. You can avoid all the guys you run into at the gym. I mean, I could go all day with this. The, the gallon of water guy, the sauna suit guy, the hip thruster guy, the tennis ball under the chin guy, the grunt guy, the, the can I get get a spot guy, the all the gear but no game guy, the guy who's just there to be creepy and hit on girls guy, the entire, the guy who stands in front of the mirror and wipes sweat off his forehead with the bottom of his tank top just to conveniently show his six pack as if he doesn't understand what's really, that guy, you know, I- I'm telling you, I could keep going, the, uh, the Beats by Dre headphones guy who sings so loud as if noise canceling means we can't hear him, you know, like that guy. You get to avoid all of that. You don't need a fancy gym. You don't- Need the hydro massage chair? You just like you can hate your life. I mean, change your life <laughs> with one kettlebell if you know what to do with it. It's called functional fitness. So to quote a concept coined by Stephen Furtick, I want to talk about functional faith for a moment. Not just faith that is helpful in here for an hour, but faith that you can apply on a Tuesday. Functional faith. And here's what I wanna do. You don't need a big fancy Devo. We love the Devo. Ryan crushed it. We're gonna finish it because we're a church of people who finish what we start. We're finishing that Devo. But today you don't need a fancy Devo. You don't need a seminary degree. You don't need fancy apologetics. You don't even need an entire chapter in the Bible. Today I'm gonna show you that one verse will change everything about your life if you know what to do with it. I wanna take one verse and show you how to get everything out of it, how to read it and learn it and write it and do it and love it. And I picked a verse on purpose I think a lot of you might know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's an amazing verse, but we wanna take that from a coffee mug verse to a help you in the real world on a Tuesday afternoon kind of verse today. Sound good? So here we go. The first part is this, read it. And I know that seems brilliantly obvious. However, the word of God is only a lamp unto your feet and a light for your path trying to guide you through this life and make your path straight if you read it. Read it. Mark 1 says this, very early in the morning, While it was still dark, Jesus got up, I love this, he left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And I love that that's in there because you know that feeling between work emails, between your phone, between your kids, everybody is looking for you all the time. Everybody's looking for you, which means like Jesus, you need to make a place and a time to spend with God. Jesus found a solitary place, which in Greek is the word "eremos." I love this word. It means a needed place of solitude. My wife finds the Aremos on the couch every morning between 6.15 and 6.45 with her Bible before the kids get up at 7 a.m. because once the kids are up all the way until like 9.45 p.m., everybody is looking for you. There's distractions everywhere. You're needed constantly all the time. So find your Aramos, a place where you can shut out distraction, get alone with God, open this book, and invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet you. God is everywhere all the time. Like my good friend Chad says though, you just get the feeling he likes to be invited. Find that space, open this book and pray, Holy Spirit, come and speak to me. You have to make time. And you might go, I'm so busy though. I'm like, "Go." Oh, so is everybody. You just, you might, you might say, how do you, how do you carve out time for that? And I'll say this, what I've heard CEOs say, you just do. You just do it. You just make it a priority by prioritizing it. You just, I'll I'll quote one of my favorite Ethan Matat quotes, I think you have more time than you think you think you have. I just think you're not as good at managing your time as I, I think you think you are. And I'll save you all the social media TV stats, but they pretty much debunk any theory any of us has that we don't have enough time in the day. I mean, we we give our first fruits of our treasure to God. What if you gave the first fruits of your time to God as well? You know your day would be different if that is how it started. So here's my challenge right off the bat for a lot of people in this room. There's gonna be a QR code that's gonna go on the screen behind me for a Bible in a year plan. My challenge to you is to read the entire Bible between now and Halloween of next year. And I really think uh, that might sound crazy. It's only crazy until you start and you realize how doable this actually is. I think that'll be so helpful for you, and here's why. If anybody's in here and you've never seen a Marvel movie ever, first of all, I'm praying for you, but number two, you probably can relate to overhearing a conversation between two Marvel movie fanatics and your thought would be, what the heck are you guys talking about right now? There's how many movies? There's an Ant-Man and a Spider-Man? Like a multi, what? I thought, I thought that Toby Maguire guy was like 20 years ago. Is Baby Groot, is that Baby Yoda? Is that the same thing? Why do I care that somebody snapped their fingers? And all, all of that is valid until you watch the whole thing from start to finish and it changes your life. When COVID first started during quarantine, my wife and I, the very first thing we did was a Marvel movie marathon and our, our faith is stronger, our marriage is better, okay? So riddle me that. And now, I could, I could watch any scene and I could tell you the movie it's in and where it fits in the bigger Marvel narrative. I can do that with Marvel and I can do that with scripture too because I've read this from start to finish a few times. And before you go, that's braggy or you think that's even impressive, I'm telling you, it's actually not that impressive. 10 minutes a day for a year and you'll all of a sudden find yourself with a 35,000 foot view of the entire story of scripture from start to finish because I have this whole story in my heart, verses just mean more. Philippians 4.13 just hits harder because I know where it fits in this story. The more you get the story of God into your substance, the more the words of God will start to mean to you, but you gotta read it, you gotta read it. I'm telling you, this is living and active. There is life pulsating on every page in this book, and it's ready to meet you where you are today. This'll read you and come to you. So my buddy Corey Herline, a few months ago, he texted me and said, bro, I miss you. We need to catch up, we need to hang out. Let's, let's go out for some dinner. He said, I'm buying you a steak. How many are like, I need a friend like Corey, who is this guy? And I said, done. Where do you wanna meet? He said, I'll come to you. He drove to me and he paid for dinner. Just an awesome guy. And I, I, I thought yesterday, I mean, that, that is kinda like what the word of God does because it's alive, it reads you, and it meets you where you're at. In other words, are you in pain? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Are you suicidal? The word of God will meet you where you're at. Are you on the other side of that celebrating something? Are you all in love and all tan on your honeymoon? The word of God will come and meet you where you're at. Are you mourning in a hospital room? The word of God will meet you there. Are you celebrating some big news or a big win? The word of God will meet you there. The same verse that meets me on the mountain will come and visit you in the valley. Are you in a season where you just stepped out in faith for the name of purpose and you're about to maybe start that company or, or move across the country to that school? Philippians 4.13 will meet you in that season. You can do that. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And at the same time in the valley, let's even, let's even say, are you in prison? The apostle Paul, GBB? Philippians 4.13 will meet you there as well. And because of Christ who strengthens you, you can lean into him and find perseverance and find purpose and meaning and the peace that transcends all understanding and the joy that survives even the worst of seasons, all because of Christ who gives you strength. This thing is not static, it is active. It's living and breathing. And the more you read it, the more it reads you and the more it gets into your substance. And Jesus was proof of this. The guy was saturated in scripture. He read it all the time. He quoted it. He obeyed it. And he was, the metaphor I thought of, he's kind of like a a towel soaked in water. Jesus was like a a towel soaked in truth. And it just rung out of him onto everybody who was around him all the time. I wanna be like that. I I don't wanna be dry. I just picture that same towel, but not not a drop of water on it trying to be wrung out on the people in your life. And I just, I got nothing to give. And the more pastoral conversations I have with Christians, the more and more people I realize feel that way. I relate to that a lot, but I would just challenge you. Okay, so what, what comes out of you is what, is what you take in. So what's your intake? I wanna be that, that, that towel that's just dripping with grace and truth and love and life for the people in my life. But in order for that to happen, it's first gotta get in me. And that's why you have to read it, amen? And then, learn it. Theodore Roosevelt once said, a thorough knowledge of God's word is worth more than a college education. Jesus said it this way in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, what? Mind. Learn his word. Pursue God with your brain. Because the more you know the context, the more you'll get the crux of everything in here. And God has not given the deep things of scripture to the smart. He's given the deep things of scripture to the eager, to the willing, to those who are, to those who are hungry. So with that said, let's learn about Philippians 4.13. First of all, Philippians is a letter that is written from somebody to somebody, which means every verse in there has a specific meaning. That's one of the dangers of sitting around in a circle and throwing a verse out there and then going around and asking what do you think that verse means? Because that question implies the only meaning that verse has is the one that you subjectively ascribe to it. That's a ver- that was written from a person to a people and it cannot mean for you what it did not mean for them. The Apostle Paul wrote Philippians. More specifically, he wrote this letter to the church that he started in Philippi. And by the way, you wanna know a modern day equivalent to Philippi is Austin, a large city, booming, active, tons of people moving there, weird in some ways, you know, just a beautiful city on a river that was, that was Phil, Philippi, hot and humid, and then Acts 16 tells the story of how Paul and his buddy Silas planted that church in Philippi. And you wanna know how I know that? You're like, oh my gosh, you're so smart. You must have been to seminary. I, I never went. I Googled it. I just Googled it. Like, guys, you can learn this. I just Googled about Philippians and how it started. It said Acts 16 is the story of how the church in Philippi started. So I went and I read Acts 16. And I'll show you this starting in verse 13. On the Sabbath, we, so that's Paul and Silas and their buddy Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, who also is writing Acts. That's why he said we. On the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate to the river. Just picture Austin where we expected to find a place of prayer. And we sat down and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth." Now pause, because she was a dealer in purple cloth. Picture a wealthy, intelligent, fashionista CEO, huge Instagram following and a high rise on rainy. okay? Lydia was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her high rise. And the Philippi church started in Lydia's home. That's where the whole thing began. And if you keep reading in Acts 16, I'll paraphrase it for you, you're gonna find out that that's where they met every day to worship and pray together and open the scriptures together. And then one day when Paul and Silas and Luke were on their way to Lydia's house for church, they ran into this, a demon-possessed slave girl who was possessed with this fortune-telling demon. And Paul cast the demon out of her and set her free. But her owners were mad about that because they were making money off of the fortune-telling. And so scripture says they seized Paul and Silas and they handed them to the authorities. And the authorities eventually put them in prison, but not just prison, in the inner cell where they were tortured by the jailer. And what do they do on their very first night in prison? They start worshiping. Of course they did. And I go, man, if you're that jailer, how annoyed are you with Paul? If you hated Christianity, how frustrating is the apostle Paul? Because you can't stop him. You can't shut this guy up. This guy is untouchable in every way. You can't threaten him. Hey, Paul, stop talking about Jesus or we'll kill you. And he would go, oh, to die is gain. Nice, man. And then you go, okay, we'll let you live. Up oh, to live is Christ, right on. Like, what do you do with him? Fine, we'll we'll throw you in jail and and the jailer will torture you. All right, well, I'm I'm gonna sing worship songs and convert all your guards while I'm in there. I mean, he was just completely untouchable. So while these guys are singing good grace in prison, scripture records that very first night around midnight, there's an earthquake. The ground starts shaking. One side note of worship, why we worship, because it releases power, especially when you're in pain or things aren't going your way and you still decide to praise the name of Jesus anyways. Power is released. The ground starts to shake and the prison doors uh, swing wide open and all the chains fall off of everybody's wrists. But instead of escaping, Paul and Silas decide to stay there. Why? So they can share their faith. They can talk about Jesus with the jailer, which they do. And the jailer gets saved and so does his entire household. And they all join the church. Acts 16, 40 After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they all went to Lydia's house. The first three members of the church, a Thyatyrin fashionista named Lydia, who got saved via her intellect, a Greek slave girl with the craziest testimony ever, who got saved because of a miracle, and a blue collar, hard working, beer drinking, fantasy football playing jailer who got saved and put his faith in Jesus because he saw Paul and Silas live it out in front of him. Take note of the kind of people God likes to save, everybody, everybody. You see how just we get a little of the backstory, it starts to mean more to you. You do a little bit of digging and now the verses in Philippians, they they hold more weight because now, it's now 10 years later after, after, all of, after the church in Philippi got started, Paul is in jail again, this time in Rome. And from that jail cell in Rome, Paul writes Philippians. That's where he writes it. So when he says things like Philippians 1.3, I thank my God every time I remember you. Or Philippians 1.6, I'm confident that he who began the good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Like he's writing that to real people to his friends that he misses, to Lydia, to the girl, to the, to the jailer. And then in, in chapter four, verse 13, when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's not just a cool idea or a hypothetical thought. That is a testimony of a guy who's experiencing and living that out in prison. I can do all things. I, I can find contentment and fulfillment and purpose in any and every situation. Philippians 4.13 is, is not just a cool verse to quote. It is a real promise from a real God available to any of us crazy enough to believe it and live like it's true, amen? Have to learn it, have to learn it because it, it, it gives every verse more, mean, it means more to you the more you know the backstory. And then, Write it, number three. And when I say write it, I'm simply just speaking of meditating on the word. Writing is one way to do that. But Habakkuk 2.2 says this, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. So don't just read and learn the words, reflect, internalize. Chew on it. Writing is a form of meditation, which by the way, that's a buzzword right now, but that is a word and a concept that is all over scripture, Old Testament and new. Couple of examples, Joshua 1.8, the memory verse from week one of our word of God, Devo. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be successful, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it and then you will be prosperous and successful. And there's a time and place to uh, read the Bible fast. I just gave you the Bible in a year challenge and that, that gives you like a, a larger view of the story of God but then there's so many times it's so important you need to, to zoom in and get down to the ground level and, and meditate just on one verse. Gotta get it in my heart. Psalm one, one through three, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord or the word of God, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. And the writer of that Psalm, they get the idea of meditation from watching cows chew grass. Because cows will just stand there and chew the same chunk of grass for like an hour and then they'll swallow it and then they'll throw it back up into their mouth. This is just scripture, okay? (laughs) And they'll chew on it for like another hour. Why? Because they're trying to extract every last nutrient in the grass. And that's what they're saying, like, chew on a verse. Get it in you every last nutrient in the word of God, get it into your system. That just takes time. This is, this is how the word of God makes the trip from your head to your heart. And it just takes time. I call it internalizing it. Every time I preach a new message, half of the preparation is writing it. But then once it's written, the second half is almost, you kind of pay a higher price for it when you're sermon prepping. I call that internalizing it. Because uh, here's an example. When you are just telling a story Um, You don't need notes to do that because the story's in you. And when I get up here, like, okay, I have something written to share, but I don't want this to be 10th grade public speaking class where I just recite a speech to you because it's on my iPad. I want this to be in my heart so I can preach it and believe it with conviction and we can feel it. That's just the the process of internalization. And, And sometimes, I mean, I said this two weeks ago, you can Amazon Prime a new Bible to your house, but you can't today deliver the word of God into your heart. That just takes reading it, learning it, writing it, chewing on it, internalizing it, and it takes time, but it's worth it because, and this will be on the screen behind me, meditation leads to revelation And revelation leads to transformation and transformation is what everybody's after. So what happens when you write the Word of God, well, you start to think deeply about the Word of God. So I imagine myself writing Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And and let me break that down in in my mind in my heart and start to chew on it and think about, okay, I can do all things. Well, that surely doesn't mean I can do literally anything. I used to quote that verse because I wanted to be in the NBA one day. I can do all things, including be in the NBA, but then I grew up to be a five foot 10 white guy, okay? And I know there's five 10 white guys in the NBA, but I can't jump, dribble, or shoot, or, or run, okay? So, but I can do all things that God has purposed for me and designed me and wired for me. And I'm not gonna be so busy focused on the things I can't do that I completely miss the concept that that must mean there is a God out there who thought me up before the foundations of the world in a specific way, loves me enough to knit me together in my mother's womb in, in the exact way that he wants this God, I can do all those things through the one who has called me to a greater purpose. So I'm part of a bigger story. And apparently there's the God of the universe who's gonna be strengthening me today to do all of that. So I can, I can do all things that God has wired and made me for according to his purpose, this greater story, all through Christ who strengthens me and that starts to become more than just a, than just a cool tattoo. That's now in my system a little bit. Philippians 4.13, this is the verse that pretty much every, like the star quarterback of the winning football team after the Super Bowl will quote in all the interviews, so in the, in the winning team's locker room, man, how did you do it? And you'll hear this verse dropped all the time. I can do all things, I, can, I, can, I won that game through Christ who, who strengthens me and absolutely victory falls beneath the banner of all things, okay? I'm just saying, we now know Paul wrote that from prison. And how cool would it be because every time they're done with the, the, the star players on the winning team, the media takes all their equipment, they go to the losing team, And they asked the star quarterback of that team questions like this, how are you gonna handle such a devastating and heartbreaking loss this off season? The biggest game of your life you lost, how are you gonna bounce back? And how cool would it be just one time to hear the quarterback of that team quote that same verse and go, you know what, I can win, but more important, I can lose and still know who I am and still know what I'm made for and still keep my purpose, I can lose through Christ who gives me strength. That is so much cooler. That's so much more BA, best attitude, right there. <laughs> Think of Paul, I can, I can be well fed and I can be hungry and I'd I, I be content through Christ who strengthens me. I can, I can be eating filets in the palace. I can be searching for scraps of food on the prison floor and be content and find fulfillment and purpose through Christ who gives me strength. I can be in my dream job firing on all cylinders, having everything go my way through Christ who gives me strength, and I can be working the job. This is not my dream. This is not what I wanna be doing, but I can still find a way to give it everything I got, all my effort, and find meaning and purpose in this as well. Why? Through Christ who gives me strength. I can be healed in Jesus' name through Christ who gives me strength. And in the meantime, while I'm waiting on my miracle, I can praise Jesus even in the pain. How do you do that? Through Christ who gives me strength. I can have everything go my way or I can have nothing go my way. And yet I can still choose to rejoice and refuse to resent. How? Through Christ who strengthens me because it's Christ who strengthens me, not my circumstances or my situation. Paul had his feet shackled to the ground, but his hands were free and they were raised to heaven in worship through Christ who gave him strength to do that. And your feet might feel like they're chained to your circumstance or season right now. All that means is you have a decision on what to do with your free arms. You have an opportunity to raise them to heaven in worship and remind yourself and everybody watching you that God is good all the time, including right now. How powerful is that testimony? That this might be my situation, but this is my posture. I mean, just look at Paul. God is using a guy in chains to teach all of history about freedom. You walk out of here today with the same situation, but a new song in your heart, and that changes the game completely. How do you do that? You can do all things through, sorry, through Christ who gives you strength, amen? And then finally, um, don't just read it, don't just learn it, don't just write it, do it. Um, Don't just memorize it, do it. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. That's about the most literal verse in the Bible. Do what it says. We're trying to get Will, my four-year-old right now, to get really good at cleaning up his toys. Um, I just say, um, I just threaten to sell any toy that's left out at the end of the night. I want him to be a good example for his sister who's almost two. Now, parents, you'll get this. Imagine for a second, you, you tell your four-year-old, clean up your toys. And an hour later, they come back to you An hour later, Will comes back to me and he says, you know, dad, I memorized what you said. He said, clean up your toys. (laughs) I know it in the Greek. I can say it in Hebrew. I learned about it. I know the backstory. You told it to me 30 minutes ago in the kitchen, right over there by the fridge. Go clean up your toys. I'm gonna go, Well." Great that you memorized it. The point of memorizing it is so that that verse is accessible, that chore is accessible. So like you got to do it, buddy. <laughs> That's the point of this. This isn't just to to make us smarter. How many of you know you can be a know-it-all about scripture and not know God at all. Got to do it, man. Got to apply this. You got to I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and he will give you the strength to do it. And in doing so, man, that's when your relationship with him will go to the next level. I remember remember years ago, feeling like that rag that was completely dry, just feeling so distant from God, zero passion in my life for my faith. And I remember having a conversation with my buddy and we were talking about, okay, what's the next sermon series we can listen to, the next podcast we can listen to, the next Christian book we can go and get that's gonna fix this problem for us and give us passion. And then I realized, or the Holy Spirit helped me realize, oh wait, I haven't shared my faith with anybody outside of church in 10 months. Have you tried the Great Commission recently? Have you tried? doing this recently? Because my goodness, I mean, the new book is great, but you just wait until you are sitting across a cup of coffee from a coworker about to share your faith or invite them to church for the first time. You'll be shocked at how all of a sudden you start to feel passionate and alive, like you're so full of purpose and grace and truth, all because you, you didn't just read it, you didn't just learn it and write it and think on it. You're doing it, you're living this thing out. That's the great commission. Go to the ends of the earth, the sphere God has placed you in. At work, at your gym, at, at home, your roommates, wherever it is, and share the gospel, share the good news, the greatest news in the universe, with the people God has placed in your life. And Jesus says, "Lo and behold, as you are doing that, I will be with you. As you do that, I'll be. You'll be shocked at how much you experience Me. As you." You can do all things through Christ who strength, as you're doing those things and stepping out in faith, Christ will strengthen you. And it's not just, it's not just knowledge, it's this is my substance now, this is, this is who I am. And I don't know, man, I've been, been trying to just figure out how to sum up this series because, I mean, as we move more and more into the future I'm telling you, it's not a surprise. The world will continue to leave this behind more and more. Um, uh, Christians will try to leave this behind more and more. Uh, C.S. Lewis called it chronological snobbery, where we think, oh, we're, well, we're 2022. <laughs> we know more about the meaning of everything, and we will It's like humanity, like we'll take our eyes off of the divine and we will solve everything. And you could ask the question, how's that been working? As far as humanity feeling purpose and peace and joy and fulfillment and I just, man, I... I'm usually pretty good at stringing words together in a sentence that gets people inspired to go do something. And y'all are a very receptive church, but I was trying to figure out, God, how do I, How do I convince people to love this book? And I can't. And most of my preparation has just been prayer, that on an individual basis, you would just not just read it and learn it and write it and do it, but start to love this book. Because churches like this will come and go. Preachers like me will come and go. This is forever. This is forever, man. And you will not regret. I promise you, a second that you find the arremos in your life and you spend with God in here. And we've kind of got like a Christian culture now that, um, and I'm part of it, where it's all about one hour on a Sunday morning and wait all week and show up just thinking, man, I, ho- I hope Ryan's got a word, hope Ethan's got a word, and that's. In my heart? That's amazing. That's why we do this. I'm just saying it's incomplete on its own. And what I want for you, what I'm praying for you is that you'd have a revelation that you can get a word on your own at 6.30 in the morning on your couch, anytime you need it. I would say you're gonna be needed more than one word a week. I just want you to fall in love with meeting with the maker of the universe in the pages of his word, because he wants to so bad. (laughs) This is not religion where he needs you to do, like, you know, you need you in here because this is relationship and (sighs) gotta love it, man. Everything about your faith and your following Jesus will, will change when your relationship with this book starts to happen outside of this room on a Sunday. Like, man, I got this, I can do this. I, I can meet with God right here. And we're not, we didn't do this series to try to convince you about a book. This doesn't need us to be its defense attorney, nor does God. We did this to invite you into the greatest story ever told that you are written into, <laughs> that your spirit and soul would just come alive feel like you're building your life on something that's finally, foundationally like firm and steady, not sandy, these promises aren't empty. Like this is real, I can trust this, this is eternal. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, including finding a way to meet with God in the word of God in 2022 every day. I promise you, you will not regret a minute you spend in this with God, amen? Guys, will you stand? I'll keep this prayer quick and then we'll worship and I just, I wanna ask for supernatural help to get us to love something more than we do. It's been my prayer for myself for a few years now, to be honest, I used to love this. Then it became, I need scripture material. And God is showing me how to love that again, not to get something from it, to give to other, just to meet him. And I've been praying that for you too. So Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you do what a sermon can't, a communicator can't, music can't? Would you help us to love your word? pray that 15 minutes in your word would start to become the 15 minutes everybody beneath the sound of my voice would look forward to the most about their day. (laughs) Just can't wait, that is the reward. It's not the prayers I get answered, it's not the feelings after, it's the reward is the process, is the time with you. Make it alive to us, help us to love it. In Jesus' name, amen.